When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. Don Ralph from Life in a Blender joins us today. They have a new EP out called Satsuma, and it's kind of special. Not only does it contain six great new songs, five of which were inspired by the Bushwick Book Club, but there's also beautiful artwork and a cocktail recipe for each track. But we go a lot deeper than that. Don talks about how his musical journey began in a Poughkeepsie dump. And if you think the name Life in a Blender is offbeat, you should hear the alternatives. As this pandemic lingers on, Life in a Blender's new 20-page EP of music, art, and booze is a real gift. Check it out on Fang Records, follow them on social media, follow us at Performance ANX, subscribe, rate, and review, and check us out on kofi.com slash performanceanxiety, and consider treating us to a single cup of coffee. We'll all share it. There's no commitment. Now let's mix it up with Don Ralph of Life in a Blender on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Yeah, I'll just wing it here and you can tell me. So just go ahead. Okay. This is Don Ralph of Life in a Blender. We have a brand new album out with six songs called Satsuma, filled with cocktail recipes and original art. And you're listening to Performance Anxiety. How are you doing? Good. I should have checked out your show, but um, maybe you tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Nobody listens. And uh, <laughs> Hey, it's like our band. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. I've been enjoying the album. Oh, great. Great. Albums, actually. I went back and started listening to some of the older stuff. We've been around forever. Yeah, I see that. I see that. <laughs> so that, that's awesome. That usually means you're actually not bad. <laughs> right. Usually. The fact that we keep going. We're, we're stubborn. Exactly. Just don't quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad 
glad you didn't know us. <laughs> in some ways, you know, it's good to have a fr- fresh ears. Yeah. Yeah. And no, you know, sometimes people come in with, uh, like that with no preconceptions, which is good. Otherwise you're pegged from some sort of previous old reviews. You know, people knew it from the eighties and they think, Oh, you sound just like this. And this, and you're always going to be a certain way, but yeah, exactly. when people come in fresh. Exactly. And I kind of did it backwards because I listened to the new album first and then started going back. So I don't know if that helped or, or what, but, uh, I did enjoy what I was listening to. So great so great. Um, it's it's really cool and uh, i want to talk about the new album but i want to find out a little bit more about how we how we got well we i didn't have anything to do with it but how you <laughs> no, guys you had a big hand in it <laughs> <laughs> i did i'm saying you know what it's funny because i had an i had a huge part in it but i'd never heard you before <laughs> right <So. laughs> amazing how that works it's you know it's it's just it's a northeastern thing i i lived in new jersey for 13 years it's it's oh well there you go it's the northeast connection it is and the new jersey connection yes <laughs> so what i wanted to find out first is is how you got to where you are so i want to know how you got into music in the first place did you grow up in a musical household or were you the black sheep that wanted to do music from the beginning or what was what was your early musical experiences like um, the house wasn't musical. I, I grew up with three uh, siblings, two brothers and a sister, and they didn't play any instruments. And my dad played by ear, which is sort of how I learned to. We had oh, a piano cool. in the basement, a big upright piano, and a big, a big player piano that used to pump, you know, like a bicycle and hold on to the bottom of the piano. And oh wow! Get good exercise and pump it. And so that was the only instrument in the house. But I would start to write songs on that first. And then, um, I mean, my incredible story about getting to music is that in probably in junior high, I, there used to be a dump near my house in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> and any and, story that starts with a dump is great in my opinion. <laughs> and, um, I was, we would walk through the dump to Veter's pharmacy to get comics. And I was walking through the dump, following my three friends through the dump as we would. And then I, I stepped on this box and I was like, you know, what is this? What am I stepping on in the dump? And I looked down and there's a guitar. I mean, I couldn't believe it, but it was a guitar case. Opened it up. It was a 12 string guitar and it was almost in great condition. So it was like, this was a sign to say, let's start writing some songs. Wow. So, so I take from junior high, but then my friends were like, well, wait a minute, just cause you stepped on it, you get it. And I was like, well, I think that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, find the old finders keepers. Right, right. So it starts with the guitar and a dump and then, you know, it sort of takes off from there. I've never and heard then, a story uh, like that. I mean, it was incredible. It was one of those incredible things. Like, can you believe? I, mean, I remember coming home with it and saying, like, look what I found in the dump. And then I thought, like, what happened? Did somebody, was it a singer-songwriter who had, like, a breakup and he was writing songs? He's like, you know, screw this. I'm, I'm done with love and I'm putting my guitar in the dump because it was a nice guitar. And I was like, why would somebody throw away a great guitar? Oh, man. And it's a and a twelve string at that. Jeez, I know it's a twelve string. Anyway, it had some warping, so I did eventually trade it in and get a six string. That was much better. But you know, because then the twelve string to start on a twelve string was a bit hard too. Oh yeah, those extra strings. It was <laughs> like ah, this, this is hurting my fingers. Yeah, screw this. <laughs> Let's go back to six. I'll go back to the dump. See if I can find a six string. <laughs> right back to the dump. <laughs> so, so, how, so now, kids how, who are listening out there, if you want to get into music, go straight to the dump. <laughs> just yeah, just go explore. You find a dump, or you go to the dump. You may find a guitar or maybe a body. Either way, it's going to be an adventure. Right. <laughs> Either way, it's inspiration. Yeah, there's always adventure in a dump. 
<laughs> that's, that's been my motto from living tell, in New Jersey. Everyone, I'm trying to tell the youth of today that. Yeah, that's, that was my motto when I lived in New Jersey. <laughs> right. Go oh, adventures in the dump. <laughs> <laughs> so how old were you when, when you found this, this guitar? And, and when did you start actually playing in bands? Uh, you know, probably found it in junior high, so whatever age that is. And then in high school, we started, uh, and this is in Poughkeepsie, my friend Dave Moody, who's still in the band. We, I, I was just um, writing sort of rough songs and not playing super well. And then he was the pro musician in all the high school jazz band and all that. So he could really play well. And then he really... Um, help sort of get my songs, my uh, rudimentary songs that I'm knocking off on guitar together. And then uh, we wrote together this song called Poughkeepsie City of Sin back in the day oh, when wow. the gong show is on the air. It couldn't get worse. Oh, Kipsey, fulfills your every wish. Oh, Kipsey, home of Hamilton fish. And so we had this song called Poughkeepsie City of Sin, and um, it became kind of a local hit back in the ancient days. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> if I say awesome. the year. Um, but, but um, you know, so that we, that sort of took us off that we, we just wrote this one song together. And then we got hooked and, and we went to the local club in Poughkeepsie called The Chance and they were doing a local gong show that was like a big deal at the time. So we went and we entered and we were underage, but we faked our age and we got in and then we, we won the gong show. That was the big thing. Oh, wow. And it was a big, there was a huge crowd there and it's full of smoke and people are <laughs> drinking. And for us, it was like, this was great. We, yeah. You know, you, you get the bug right away. Oh, yeah. So. So we wrote that song, Poughkeepsie City of Sin, and won the gong show, you know, in the local club and got all this attention. And, and we recorded it and made a single out there in Poughkeepsie. And so in Poughkeepsie, it was fun, you know, a fun little thing. And people to this day still say to me, you know, uh, some people will come up to me, you don't know me, and say, oh, you're Poughkeepsie City of Sin. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, my God. That's awesome. I know that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be from Poughkeepsie to appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> or from New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's sort of the way, you know, we, I got into music early on, you know, through that and, uh, you know, through my friend. Okay. I feel like I've always been lucky. I feel like I've, I'm the one who writes the songs, but I've always been lucky to work with people who really know how to play. Yeah. <laughs> Was that actually life in a blender or were you uh, no, starting different bands uh, at that point? No, you were called batteries not included back then and that just was very short-lived uh just really for that one song okay and then uh you know and then uh basically we all went off to college and didn't play music for a while and then in the 80s we all I mean, we all dave and i came back together and we're in jersey city when we started the band oh boy there you go in the 80s and um Oh man! And we had a great house and a basement, and uh, the drummer and Dave played bass, and I was in the house, and we could use the basement to rehearse, and, and it was great. And the rent was uh, two fifty each. There were three of us, so we were each paying two fifty. I remember this like, oh my god, those were the days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. And we had the basement to rehearse in, so we had you know, so it was great, great arrangement. Oh man! So, so we, you know Jersey City too? Oh yeah, yeah. 
where are you from in Jersey? Uh, I grew up in central Jersey in Branchburg. So it was uh, right on the border of Somerset and Hunterdon counties. I was near Somerville. I was about 30 minutes out of New Brunswick. About, it was almost like equidistant from New York City and Philly. I see. Yeah, yeah. So we were like yeah. central, like, like right in the middle of the state. Great, great. Yeah. So, and did you, did you know uh, Uncle Floyd too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's part of the, uh, you know, the musical landscape there for us back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we did a show once or maybe twice, but definitely once. But he, he was sort of bouncing around, as I remember it too, from different, I, I think it was on, Maybe there was a Jersey cable network, and anyway, I've always been a fan of his too because he's so uh, you know bizarre in his own right. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> he's the character for sure. Oh yeah, I loved him and Oogie the puppet. And, oh my uh, gosh, yes! Holy crow, <laughs> man! And he uses the puppets. He's an influence because I use a puppet now and then too on stage. That's part of the act. Sometimes <laughs> I bring out this angry oh. sheep puppet called Rugged Rick, and he yells at the audience. And, oh my gosh, that's awesome! So we we have some vaudeville elements along with the real musical songs. <laughs> so now was that the, the the vaudeville theatrical aspect of the music? I mean, was it there since the beginning? Uh, was theater uh, an influence to you in the early days? Well, we, let's see, I would be doing the band and then I also had an interest in doing, you know, skits and interest in, well, really an interest in doing weird skits. So <laughs> I would do this thing called uh, Blowhole Theater that we started also, uh, that was a variety show, but we gave, gave us an excuse to do skits okay. that we would do at McGovern's Bar in New York and we'd do this uh, Blowhole Theater variety show and Bar Best is probably our last location in Brooklyn and, you know, we keep doing it to this day. Um, right. So it's, it, it scratches the itch to do the uh, just do more uh, bizarre things, I guess you know skits and, and such. Yeah, just be more creative. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think you know, try to bring that element into the music too. But somehow those worlds, like if you were doing more, trying to bring some humor into your band, it often felt like then they your your music would be taken seriously. So there's always a balance of, uh, of that. You know, there seems right. to be some uh, pushback against that when you were saying, Hey, check out our music. Oh, well, you're that wacky man. Well, I don't, you know, I don't see yeah. it that way. <laughs> you're the weird owl kind of thing. Like, right. Not what we're, like doing. we're not weird out. We're not this parody weird owl band. I feel like we're doing serious music, but yes, there's a sense of you. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's the one thing I've noticed in going back through your discography is the, the great sense of humor in, in almost just every song really. Exactly, exactly. Because most of the time when you think of songs with or bands that use a lot of humor, you're thinking Weird Al, you're thinking Primus, you know, strange. Yeah. So bands. Primus is a good example, though, because Primus, I feel like, is uh, 
you know, they're really good music. You know, yes. Great. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. Now, you're the singer in the band. Was singing something that you were doing from the beginning? From, from, from you know, uh, even from, you know, Poughkeepsie's City of Sin? From or? that minute in the dump, I just yeah. started singing. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't singing necessarily, but, you know, it just as I started writing songs, it, it came and, you know, I don't feel like I'm the greatest singer, but, you know, I make the best of what I, what I got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, there's the core of the of life in a blender is you. There's your your buddy Dave Moody you mentioned, and within a couple yeah. of years, you've got uh, Ken Meyer and uh, Al. Is it Houghton? Uh, right, Al Houghton. And yeah, I'm getting it. Learner. It's great you're bringing up all these guys. Al Houghton's the guitar player, and uh, he. We met him. We recorded the first album and every album. I think he's helped record almost every album. Oh, um, good. Awesome. So we met uh, him, and then along the way, it just made sense that he uh, jump in and play guitar. So Al, and then Mark Lerner on bass, and Ken Meyer on drums, and Rebecca Weiner Tompkins on violin, and then Dave Moody, my old pal from junior high <laughs> yeah, from old Poughkeepsie so, <laughs> right <yeah. laughs> so that's basically the, the core of the band how did you meet these guys because they, they didn't all join at the same time no um, you know there's just personnel changes as we went because people you know get different interests and all yeah. so I mean it was almost just uh, natural I, I mean I feel like there's not too much interesting there that we just at one point, you know, we lost the drummer and went searching, you know, use the village voice and found Ken, the drummer and the voice, like oh, in the old yeah. days, you know, put yeah. an ad out <laughs> and audition drummers. And, and, and Al, we knew from recording with him at Dubway studios, okay. his studio, which is still going. And he's been, go, he's been doing Dubway back to when there was the music building up by the Port Authority and, uh, uh-huh. you know, had a little eight track studio and Madonna oh, wow. was in the building borrowing equipment from Al. <laughs> so he's been around <laughs> doing that forever and he's still got Dubway, but it's now down by the bull near wall street. That's where his studio is now. Oh wow! Um, and then Rebecca, I mean, at some point I think I wanted to do something with the violin and I had heard her play and we met at some party and I said, Hey, we should, I, I it was a little one-off show and you know, I met her and we, tried that and I thought, Oh, she should jump in. And she just started to organically become part of the band. And then, uh, Mark Lerner, I know Dave, Dave at some point, Dave took off for law school, Dave Moody for a little while and left the band. And then we got another bass player. Mark Lerner came in for a while. Right. And okay. then Dave came back out of law school and said, Hey, I still want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Law. Life in the Blender. You know, is, you can do law and music. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I guess they're not mutually exclusive. And it helps you guys out. <laughs> right. So how did you guys um, decide on the band name? Because Life in a Blender is an unusual name. <laughs> These are all tricky questions. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's see. Life in a Blender. Well, I remember, I mean, the, the, the answers to these aren't always interesting. Because I remember saying... We were going through all these different names, and we played under Danger Lump and <laughs> my, Mysterious, the Mysterious Floating Head. We played under, but none of them. See, I don't know why. It just it didn't seem to stick. And I don't at know. Some point, if I ever start a band, I'm stealing Danger Lump. <laughs> but see, we had that for a minute, and then somebody said, "Oh, that sounds like cancer." Everybody's going to hate that. And I said, "I didn't even think of that. I just thought 
<laughs> I, a lump that is dangerous seemed funny at the time. It but does? then I said, yeah, of course, of course, it, of course, I have cancer. I didn't think of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I know at one point I wrote all these names down and I had life in a bowl. And I was like, how about life in a bowl? Isn't that great? And I remember, you know, somebody else in the band said like, that's horrible. Life in a bowl. That stinks. And then somehow blender, you know, came up life in a blender. And we said, okay, well, let's, let's go with that. And then you do one show and then you do another show. And then suddenly a name that you think maybe is just a placeholder just keeps going because you, you know, you've, you've played five shows suddenly yeah. back in the day. You know, we played Snafu. I remember the first gig was at Snafu. I don't know if you know that. Club, I, that yes. Healthy. I remember that. Yeah. I have heard of that for sure. And then we played, you know, all the clubs, you know, and then, uh, of course played CBGB, well, Tramps and CBGBs was big for us. We loved playing oh, there. Yeah. It was one of the, uh, what do you, you know, one of those, um, places you always wanted to play. You heard about it. Forever, oh, yeah. legendary in there, legendary places. So it was great to get in there. Yeah, and they had a real high, uh, system of you know you played Sunday, you do well Sunday, you play Monday, you do well Monday, you play Tuesday. You know, so you went right through. Okay, and we, worked, we worked our way through the week so we could play the weekend. <laughs> but that was that place was great. Um, the hilly. Crystal, who owned it, was you know really great guy, and, and everybody who worked there were super super people. I think from the outside, I always felt like this place is scary. Oh yeah, and it's covered with graffiti, and somehow it seemed intimidating. And all these famous bands, the Dead Boys, and, you know Richard Hell, and everybody played there. So you television, felt, uh, right? Television. So you felt intimidated by it a bit when you first set foot in there but yeah, when you when you realize all these great people the people who worked there were so great and welcoming that it really made it just a homey place i felt like it was one of our home bases when we played oh, cool. we played there a lot um and i'm still friends we're my wife and i monique and i are still great friends with this uh, woman allison aguiar who was a waitress there back in the early days and we oh, know wow. her and her family you know like i became friends with her and we just stayed friends so that is awesome trivia that, trivia from this yeah. is one of the main reasons to be in a band too you meet so many great people oh yeah it's it's i did the uh, typical you know like high school college band thing when never took lessons and all but i look back on it it's so much fun i can't even imagine what it's got to be like to be playing places like cbgb's and, and meeting some of these amazing people that, that have become lifelong friends yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, that's really what happened. Uh, and when you say that, I think of our first record we produced with Chris Butler. Chris was the lead songwriter behind the Waitresses, and oh, you know he wrote okay. Chris, Christmas Rapping yeah, and I Know a Boy's Lake. Those were his like major hits that he wrote. And I was a fan prior to meeting him, and then uh, through a mutual acquaintance we met, and uh, he produced our first record, and uh, and we're still friends today you know oh, we're great awesome. friends and he, he's yeah he's just a super talented guy and he's like us he's still churning out new material new great catchy material <laughs> I'll, I'll you know what i'll have to reach out because that would be a he'd be a fun guy to talk to i'm sure yeah yeah he'd love to talk to you yeah that he, he's, he's great to talk to he's out in ohio and he'd moved back to his home land of ohio not too long ago from new jersey no man yeah, everybody's leaving <laughs> I, I, I got still got a bunch of well, not a bunch anymore, but still have a had a lot of family there, and they're like, ah, oh, well, getting out. I don't know, it's getting a little expensive for for my family, I guess. 
to uh, live where in Jersey? Or? Yeah, in New, yeah, in New yeah. Jersey. They're all moving to like Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, well, you hear of everyone leaving New York now. I, I read the articles; it's incredible. Uh, the vacancy rate sounds wild, but maybe yeah. that'll be good in the end. Maybe you know there'll be more cheaper places in the long run. Who knows? Yeah, it, it's kind of like hitting reset on New York. Maybe hopefully some of the venues yeah. can come back too. That's. Yeah, because that was why, you know, back in the 80s when you had CBs and all these venues, there were just so many more places to play. There's still places, but it felt like there were many more. Oh, yeah. The rents were cheaper and you could. it was easier to have a live club. Yeah, and then I, I don't know what's open and what's closing. I, I live in Virginia now, so I'm you know, unfortunately I don't get chance to get up that way very often and when i do i don't get a chance to get into the city to go see shows too much so i don't i remember going to places like the knitting factory and brownies and and you know i just don't know if those places are going to be able to bounce back yeah yeah i mean brownies yeah it's gone and <sighs> i mean knitting factory i don't know they had moved to brooklyn i, I don't know but all places we uh, you're saying all great venues that i loved brownies we had great shows there oh yeah it's a small uh, knitting factory we played a few shows and then there's been the upstairs one on houston and then there was the one they moved down on broadway they had, they had a space and then they moved out to brooklyn but okay, okay. anyway yeah you know um all good menus <laughs> yeah classic places now as i was going through your older material i started noticing that one of the first things that would would catch me and and make me decide to listen to a, a song in particular were the names of the songs <laughs> they're amazing i mean you've got songs like tiger pudding what did you hide in the potato barn? Blood is worthless. <laughs> I mean, they, they, that, that, that made me like, okay, well, I've got to, I've got to hear this. But then <laughs> when, when I got into the song, it's, I mean, you, you've got some pretty heavy riffs there. Like, like, especially, particularly like tiger pudding. first i mean is, is it is there a, a a process are you coming up with these riffs or is it a, a vocal a, a lyrical idea that's coming through and then you, you solidify yeah. it up? well let's see i mean it varies from song to song yeah but i think often i am using you know i think it's a paul mccartney scrambled eggs story you know, where he's singing <laughs> yeah. that yes yesterday right yeah yeah Scram uh he's singing just random words i think I would often start that way where I'm just, I got a riff, I use nonsense words first, but then I'm thinking, and then I'm writing down other ideas. I'm recording riffs and sort of random lyrics on one hand. And then on, in a book, I'm maybe writing different 
song ideas down and then somehow I'm thinking, Oh wait, now this piece, this little riff would probably go with this idea. Well, and trying it out. So, um, you know, sometimes it just feels like you just have all these ideas jostling around in your head and they sort of come together from my end. I mean, sometimes you'll have an idea like there should be a song about this and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to just write this song about whatever it is, that one idea, boom, you knock it out. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, often I think it's, you have a, a riff and I have some just random words that make no sense. And then it just comes together with other ideas that are separate. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Well, it's a really unique sound because you get the, the heaviness of the, of, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going back to Tiger Pudding because that's, a, that's got a great riff, but the lyrics are just so catchy. And a lot of times you'll hear music and it's got a great riff, but the lyrics just don't stick with you. They're just, I don't want to say throwaway, but they don't seem to be as important to whoever's writing the song as the music was. And I definitely don't get that feeling with you guys because the music is great. But then the lyrics, there's a lot of thought put into those lyrics because you've got a, you've got a lot of humor involved in it and a lot of interesting ideas coming out of your lyrics. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, I always thought totally invested in the lyrics and trying to come up with clever ideas and different thoughts and uh, take it beyond just, you know, I love you and whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then, I mean, the band really, I mean, Al and Mark, these guys are bringing it alive with those heavy guitar sounds. Yeah. Then you've got songs like Blood is Worthless, which has, and I don't get this chance to say this often enough on, on any podcast, it's got a really catchy string section. Mark Lerner should get full credit on all the strings and the uh, horns. He's just this great arranger. I feel like I'm, again, lucky to work with these guys who I can take this rudimentary song and come in and then I'll say like, okay, wait, you know, here's what we hear. And it's, it's just been a good marriage of voices because they can really bring these songs to another level. So Mark, especially with those strings, they're so catchy. That part, I mean, I really can't take credit for that part at all because Mark sat down and go, you know, how about this? You know, and it's like, bam, it hits you. You're right. It's great. I wish I could say that about more bands. You've got a great string section. <laughs> that I, I was I love strings. Oh, great, great. All right, so um, yeah, so it's I great did, when you have you know these complementary parts to the song, just bring it alive like that. Well, yeah, and it, it, it's it makes the song more complex. I'm sure to 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 perform. And and I feel like on this new one with the horns, it's the same thing. Mark really sat down with the three horn players. Who, if you're recording, can I say their names here? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're fantastic. Jackie Coleman on trumpet, Kevin Moringer on trombone, and uh, Drew Krasner on the alto sax. I mean, just they really uh, contributed great 
songs to our latest album, Satsuma. So, uh, you know, and again, Mark worked with them and came up with those parts. And I just feel like, again, it's one of these things where your song is at one level without the hard section and then with the hard section, it just brought it up to a whole nother level. Let's talk about Satsuma then for a second. First of all, how did you choose that title for the album? Because that's, what is that? It's like a Japanese fruit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really like an orange. And uh, I mean, I just really like the words, fun. But okay. uh, the honest reason is I also love uh, the Mighty Boosh. I don't know if you know them, that they're an English comedy duo. Oh, oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And the, they refer to Setsum a couple times in the show. There's one line he says to his partner. He goes, "You know, you're about as edgy as a Satsuma," which I thought was really funny. Oh. And then they have a they have a Satsuma fight in their underwear that I always thought was funny. <laughs> this stuff, I don't know if I have to tell everybody, but that's the real. I don't know somehow Satsuma was on my mind. It seemed like a good, strong, interesting, weird word, and I had a funny association with it. It is, but the, and what I like is that it kind of follows the rest of your discography. You know, it, it's something that's a little out of left field, but it works. Yeah. I did feel like it was like, you know, blam, Satsuma. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a name of a, a volcano. <laughs> Satsuma. That's but it's awesome. a, a, a nice orange. Right? It is. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, we give Mark full license to do the art too. He, he, it seems like Mark's, Mark's responsible. It sounds like for most of our success here. He, um, <laughs> he, he designed the cover too and came up with a great, rotting fruit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys uh, kind of a shocking image but uh, it all seemed to work for us it, and, uh, the packaging besides the, the interesting artwork you're also adding um rec- like like drink recipes in the in, yeah in the physical copies right yeah and i i do think because of this whole lockdown the whole outbreak and COVID that we had more time. I think we would have done a longer album. We started before the lockdown and okay. we started before March in the spring and we were together and recorded most of the basic tracks. And then the outbreak hits and we're all in lockdown. And I think to me, a lot of that drove us building this into sort of a bigger, more elaborate project. Cause we had more time to think about it. And we felt like, well, what can we do to make this, special so i felt like we were all sitting around saying "Mm, we all have ideas here so we brought in there's six songs there's six original artists who we we know well and who we reached out to and said hey just make us a great piece of artwork inspired by the song so you have that in the book booklet and then we reached out to friends who you know enjoy making drinks and then they everyone was drinking heavily now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) <laughs> I've I've read an article the other day that uh, since so many people are working from home, instances of drinking on the job have skyrocketed. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. You know. I mean, we're trying to promote responsible alcoholism. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of drinks are are you guys? putting in, in there what what, what uh what are some favorites for you oh well i uh the the you know we play at bar best a lot this bar in brooklyn do you know that bar no i'm not familiar with that one um it's a great bar it's been there for i, I think 18 years or so a friend of ours runs it and it's it's a great musical venue really specializes in world music oh um they, uh, but anyway the bartender there who we 
No, through or the owner um, was nice enough to come up with a couple of the drinks. The one for the Bluebird, and there's a French. It's a French. Uh, our friend who owns Barbès is French. Okay. And this drink, the Bluebird, is French, and that has curacao and something gin in it, and oh, wow. that's a nice one. But uh, there's a he, the guy at Barbès, the bartender, came up with a drink for our song. The ocean is a black and rolling tongue. It's a book with cocktail recipes in it. Right. You can't go wrong with that. Forget the music. Yeah. <laughs> we want the cocktails. <laughs> this is the best cookbook I ever bought. Right, right. There's a CD in here. There's music in here, too. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that you guys started this before the lockdown and everything happened. Was it recorded and... and finished before everything kind of ground to a halt all the basic tracks you know bass drums guitar were down and my vocals were down fortunately because and then i live most of the time in seattle and keep coming back to new york oh, wow. right now so once it got locked down i wasn't i couldn't come back at all and i haven't been back since you know probably january or something oh wow um but hopefully soon, you know, can get back. And we wanted to work on new material soon and just sort of hunker down all together and make sure we're safe and do that. But anyway, so before the lockdown, we had all the basic tracks. And then after the virus hit, we did, we were able to do overdubs long distance. I know Mark and Dave would send in tracks to Al from wherever location they have, they're upstate and yeah. they'd send tracks down to Mark, uh, down to Al in New York city. So, I mean, you could do, so we, it was good. We had all the basic fundamental tracks down and then they could do overdubs sort of long distance. Oh, okay. Okay. And the horns fortunately were down too, because the horns, getting the horns together all in one room, um, I think is, was just much better. I don't know how we would have done it. Oh gosh. Yeah. That would have been hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now, this is, there's six 
songs on the album and you've got the cocktails and the art is would you consider this a full album or an ep or something in between albums are you, are you working on new music <laughs> i mean this is an ep and let me just say too on that but uh, a lot of the songs are from this bushwick book club project that i do it's a um project started by a friend, Susan Wong, who brings together all these different musical artists to write a song about a book. And then she'll do a show, you know, based on that. So cool. Like, um, the vacancy for a bluebird song on our album is based on Kurt Vonnegut's a man without a country. And, and that song, when she did a show and about 10 different artists got together and presented their song based on that book, on that Kurt Vonnegut book. And so I had my song and then I keep doing these shows with her and all her different artists that she she brings together just a diverse crew of different people each show to, you know, write, write a new original song. So there's five of the six songs are all based on books. Wow. Um, from the Bushwick book club project. Um, but that's so, yeah, a great so that's idea. Good. And that whole project really pushes you to think in a different way. I mean, I wouldn't come up with these ideas, uh, you know, if, <laughs> if she hadn't said like, you know, gotta write a song about this book. You, you don't you think in new ways. You think in new ideas. So I think it's, it's, it's a really great uh, project. That is fantastic. That's a, and that's an amazing idea. I really and like it's it. taken off. Um, she, it started in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and there's branches now in Seattle, for sure. Seattle's got a huge one going, and they, they really take it seriously. And I've played that one, too. And there's one in L.A., which I've played also. And uh, there's one in London. So so people have uh, embraced the idea, picked up the baton, and started their own branches that of awesome. Bushwick Book Club in all these different cities. That is I don't fantastic. know exactly how many there are now, but there's, you know, several around the country. And then even in London, and maybe she, if Susan were on the phone, she could say, you know, another, there might be a couple other, oh, there's one in Sweden that's oh, really wow. active. So it's international now. Man. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and it's great for musicians because they meet uh, through the network. You know, if you're touring or traveling, you can sort of call up your corresponding Bushwick Book Club, you know, people. Yeah. If you participated, you can say, hey, I'm in town playing a gig or I'm trying to set up something. That is awesome. I would, I'd, I'd love to see him set something up like that in D.C. That would, I would love to go see one oh, of those. Oh, yeah. Shows. And, uh, yeah, she said, I, I should check if there is one. I can get back to you and email you on that. If yeah. you want to help set one up. <laughs> I would love to. I, I, it's funny because I actually know the, the, uh, the owner of the D.C. Improv. So that might be actually be a really good venue if they don't have one set up yet. You're the owner of it? Oh, I wish. No. <laughs> I know oh. the I know the owner of, of, the, the, uh, of D.C. Improv. Yeah, she's fantastic lady and uh they're always looking for really cool new things to do so that yeah i mean that'd be good because he can do it with just i mean usually it's just uh you know people with either the piano and singing or a guitar you know it's not not usually a group or anything setting up so it's you know quick setup yeah yeah um one after one act after the other getting up doing one song based on the on the book you know, she puts out the word in advance so people who are on the mailing list can read the book, too, and then come and say, you know, now I'm going to hear the songs about this book I read. That would be great. Yeah, definitely let me get, send me some more information because uh, if I'll get up with uh, Allison, and if that's something that she's interested in, I'll see if I can get everything together. And, and I would love to see something like that in D.C. That sounds like so much fun. And 
So that'd be great. I should talk to her because she's from uh, Susan, who started it, is actually from, uh, mm, oh, what is it? Uh, Silver Spring area. Oh, okay. You know, hey, so she, she I think, grew up around there. And so, uh, you know, we're on Fang Records and Chris Rail, who started Fang, and we've been on his little label forever. He's from Silver Spring as well. Oh, man. Oh, no, so there's, there's a good, um, I know that's all in the area down there, right? Yeah. So I think that would all be sort of like good connections. And they, they both have good uh, connections down in that area still. And uh, once hopefully things start opening up again, the people are going to be looking for stuff because you can't just, you know, the club can't just start booking immediately. You know, they, they can book, but and as, as you well know, they aren't going to be having shows immediately. So having something yeah. in the works and, and something you can probably, you may even be able to do it in more of an improv type of way too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that improv type of any works. I mean, that she's taken the show and put it on zoom, you know, oh, that's for cool. now, you know, there's been a couple shows, you know, we're, and then all people from around the world are actually jumping in, you know, she is sort of a director, wow. you know, I'll get on and do my song on zoom and then, now we're going to London, and here's Amanda the Thorpe in London playing her song. That and is she patches her in. So yeah, it's been working out even during even during the outbreak. So. Oh, are you jumping in on those? Yeah, I've done a couple of those Zoom ones too. Oh man, this that would be cool. I would love to see one of those. I have to I have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so would, yeah, so on this Tatsuma record, five of the songs are from those shows. That is fantastic. And, uh, All right, which which one isn't? Uh, the, uh, the, when the big bell calls. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So is that something you had, uh, you were working on beforehand or is that just something you, you wrote to round out the album? Uh, it was something just rattling around and it was good to have one that was just all from me direct again. (laughs) (laughs) Usually all the songs are like that. Okay. So, and that was a, that one was fun to sort of more of a straight ahead country one, but I think it has its quirks, even though it's definitely country song. We'll milk the cows now, sun is in the yard. We'll clean the barn out, time is running short. They won't stay in the trees. I know it's impossible, I know it's impossible. I see bullets in the northern breeze. I Oh, yeah. Now, where can people go and and find the album? How can they order it and uh, keep tabs on you guys on social media? Yeah, I mean, I think the best is to get the album, go to lifeinablender.net. And uh, there's actually a lifeinablender.com. There's another group, Life in a Blender, that came after us. Are you serious? It's not music, though. It's about uh, blended families, uh, kids and families from, you know, they're, they're divorced and, you know, stepkids uh, all living together, that kind of thing. Wow. That's, that's a- so anyway, it's funny because they're kind of big now, too. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Jeez. So anyway, but for our record, go to lifeinablender.net. And uh, and to promote it too, we got a couple videos. Uh, Mark had and Nancy make videos too. See again, Mark Lerner. Yeah, you go. <laughs> he made a video with his wife Nancy for this uh, Soul Deliverer song. Okay, and um, that is what? What am I going to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably on YouTube or on your website. <laughs> 
um, it, it's on YouTube, and yeah, it's on YouTube, and you can definitely you don't you hear that. I'm just I'm just reading something else. Sorry, distracted. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, Larry Larry Fessenden is doing a uh, song for the Bluebird song that we have. He's doing a video for that. Oh, cool! Okay. And Larry's a great uh, horror film director, and uh, we've known him a long, long time. And he did our we had a song about Frankenstein that we did a couple years ago, and he directed that and put it together. And that was absolutely great. And I've seen the rough cut of this new one for the Bluebird song, and it's it's fantastic too. Oh, awesome! And People will be drinking, listening to the music, looking at the awesome artwork. Is there a, a social media presence on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook? There is. We have a Twitter feed and Facebook. We have all that. I don't know if we have Instagram. That's a good question. I don't think we, we need to set up an Instagram. Oh, yeah. But can. we're definitely on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to follow us on that, that would be great. And those links are probably on the website, right? So you go to the website and then it'll have the little symbols. You click on those and it'll take you right to your account. It, it, it should do all that. But yeah, plus I think if you go Facebook life in a blender or Twitter life in a blender, you'll see it pretty quickly. You're going to find one of two <laughs> things and you feel free to follow right. them both. You're either going to join a club <laughs> for blended families or you're going to see us. Exactly. <laughs> well, Donald, thank you so much, man. This has been a lot of fun and, and you, you brought up some great memories of Jersey for me. So that I, I really uh, appreciate great. talking to you. <laughs> Sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 